Hi, I'm Jake Parker, and this is my podcast, Beyond Fit. My goal is to help you live a happier and healthier life by providing actionable knowledge and advice about a wide range of health and fitness topics, as well as self-improvement. If you want to find out more about me, visit my website, jake-parker.com. Thanks and enjoy the show. Hi guys, welcome to episode 79 of the Beyond Fit podcast. This episode is called Things I Wish I Knew Sooner About Fitness. This is a solo episode and I just wanted to take this opportunity to talk about some things that I've come to learn over my fitness journey. Uh, If you see the picture I associated with this episode, I obviously have made a lot of changes in my life to my body, but I think that the important thing to note is that the changes have really been made more so in my mind, and that's something I'm going to go into, but just for some background, uh, I've really always wanted to be big and strong and healthy. I don't know that healthy was necessarily always the emphasis until more recently, but I've always wanted to be big and strong, and ever since I was about 13 or 14, uh, I got into lifting weights and got more or less accepted excuse me, obsessive about it for a lot of my life. And uh, that's, you know, part of the mentality too. Probably not completely healthy, but you know, it's something I'm really passionate about and I've loved for a long time. And I think where I can provide a lot of value is that I know what it takes to achieve a high level of fitness because I've struggled with it and I've tried a lot of ineffective things and I've battled, you know, internally with myself not being able to reach the levels I want to reach. And I've gotten to a point where I'm very comfortable with how I look. I'm very comfortable with how I feel. And I feel like I know a lot of very effective ways to get and remain healthy, strong, and fit at a high level without really having to completely exert yourself towards whatever fitness goal it is that you have. So again, back to these pictures here, uh, I think it's important to note as far as my journey goes, coming to terms with your body type has been something that I've been more keen on lately. And this first picture here on the far left, this was about when I was 14 or 15, the first uh, year when I ever started lifting weights just about. Uh, As you can tell, it had not taken much of an effect yet, but Uh, I think that it's interesting to look back at this picture for me because it shows where I started from and how far I've come. I'm very proud of that. And I feel like I don't want to, you know, be, be praised by any means, but I definitely think that you can tell that I've overcome genetics that are not ideal for building a big and strong body. And it's uh, been one major concept that I've, had to come to terms with, uh, you know, thought a lot about like your body, your body limits uh, your capacity to some extent. And the first thing I wish I would have realized sooner was like, I saw these guys, you know, online or, you know, in bodybuilding type magazines or, you know, whatever it was, uh, you know, strength athletes, you know, professional athletes, whatever it was, people that I looked up to, people I wanted to look like, people I wanted to uh, get big and strong to, to be like, you know, And I saw these people and not realizing that their genetics were a lot different than mine. So I could never, you know, have the build of a bodybuilder necessarily, or I could never, you know, be a big 200 plus pound uh, man with, with, with that much muscle just because of, of how my genetics limit me. 
And this is something I wanted to go into later in the podcast, but since I'm talking about genetics now, um, and it's something I've thought so much about, I wanted to kind of give my take on that, which is that, yes, your genetics matter, but something I've come to realize is that it's really not worth uh, pontificating over to that large of an extent, because you just have to do what you can with what you have. Uh, That's a big principle for anything in life, but especially as it relates to your fitness, you know, yeah, maybe you won't ever look like the guy who has the most superior uh, bodybuilding or athletic genetics, but you can do what you can with what you have and you can achieve a really great physique. I think that I'm definitely proof of that. Uh, It just means that you really have to study and find out and learn what's effective, gain knowledge the knowledge is the biggest part of this whole journey because when you have the knowledge, you know, there's going to be times where your fitness waxes and wanes with the different events in your life. But if you have the knowledge to pull yourself back and you don't just, uh, you know, work out hard and, and eat, you know, quote unquote clean to get this physique or to get these outcomes you want, and then not knowing the science behind it, lose it, uh, you know, with a difficult life circumstance or something like that. Uh, that's, that's where the knowledge comes into play. But as far as the genetics, yeah, it is a big part. But I don't think you need to worry about it much beyond just realizing what your limits are personally. Um, I'm never going to be someone who's going to compete, you know, in the Olympia at a high level, you know, like a bodybuilding stage for for those of you that that, uh, don't know what that is. But my point here is just not to get too caught up in genetics and besides just realizing how far your body can go and having realistic expectations for yourself. So back to the pictures here that I was discussing, the second picture uh, was in about, I want to say 2015 or so, uh, about four to five years ago. And this is when I was doing these cycles of bulking and cutting blindly, where I would gain a lot of fat and a little bit of muscle when I was bulking. And then uh, ineffective cutting as well kind of led to losing muscle along with fat. And I was never able to, to achieve like a lot of muscle mass when I was bulking, the amount I wanted, the amount I've been able to maintain and attain now. And when I was cutting, I was never able to get that really shredded look because it was just, it was, it was uninformed Or like, for example, bulking would just be, you know, eating as much uh, as possible. A lot of the times it would, it would often be, you know, I would, I would seek out clean foods. Um, again, that's something that I'm kind of doing air quotes around because uh, it's, it's a difficult subject, something I'll address here, but I would eat a lot. I would gain a lot of fat in this picture. I was about 200 pounds, which now with a lot more muscle mass, I usually don't even get much above like 190, 195 at my, at my heaviest. And so 200 pounds without as much muscle as I have now is, uh, is a lot. And don't get me wrong. I feel like I was in good shape here. I, I don't feel like I was completely out of shape or looked bad by any means. But when, you know, I consider myself someone that fitness is a high priority in my life and is one of the main things that I work on and I work towards, you know, getting better at. And like I said, from that age of 13, 14, 15 years old, I always wanted to be big and strong. And so it was disappointing to not get high level results when I felt like fitness was one of my top priorities in life. And so that's, that's my point here. But in the second picture, an example of, of how uh, much fat I put on uh, in addition to a decent amount of muscle. But as you can see on the far right, this is uh, a picture of when I was practicing effective techniques Uh, for about a year and did an effective bulking and cutting cycle, which I'll go more into. But I really like the way I look here. And I like the way that I got there because it's like I said, again, it comes from knowledge. It comes from understanding and trying and failing for a long time until I finally understood what it took and understood what what was really necessary. 
And so getting a little bit more into the nitty gritty here, I have some points I want to make. I might kind of go all around the map here, but at the end, I'm going to give you a conclusion um, of four main points that I really want to hammer home. So before I go into this, uh, something I mentioned a few times, bulking and cutting, a lot of times I'll also interchangeably refer to these cycles as muscle gain versus fat loss, because as you may or may not know, something I've talked about and something I'm willing to discuss further, if you're curious, something I'm not going to discuss to too large of an extent here, but essentially when you're bulking or gaining muscle, and this applies to men uh, or women alike, I think that there's sometimes that negative connotation that this sort of stuff is for weightlifters and bodybuilders and is not for the average person. But I would venture to say that the average person would benefit from not always doing a bulking or cutting cycle, but realizing what it is and putting it into effect in their training program at some point. But anyway, uh, essentially, so bulking is when you're eating in a calorie surplus, your body needs a surplus to gain muscle most of the time. In a lot of circumstances, you can gain muscle in a caloric maintenance or even a deficit if you're relatively untrained or ineffectively trained for a long period of time. But essentially, um, for most people, you need to be in a caloric surplus in order to gain muscle. And so, like I said, you're in more of a an emphasis of bulking, gaining muscle, you're eating about 200, 300 calories more than you're burning, or even a little bit more than that, because it kind of is tough uh, when it's that slim of a margin to realize exactly how many calories you're taking in. So you're in this slight caloric surplus, you're eating more calories than you burn, you're working out, trying to gain muscle. And so you do this for a period of weeks, months, a lot of times it looks like two to three months for me. Following this is either a period of maintenance where your calories are higher because uh, you've, you've ramped up your your metabolic rate by adding more muscle to your frame and some more fat too, uh, which is just inevitable. It's just going to happen. That's something you have to accept too. Um, but then when you go into this cutting phase and you emphasize fat loss, so cutting and fat loss kind of interchangeable here too, like I said, with the bulking and muscle gain. So when you're emphasizing fat loss, you're eating less calories than you burn. You're in a calorie deficit, which means kind of similarly two to 300 or so calories less than you burn on a daily basis. Like I said, uh, it kind of waxes and wanes. I mean, it's going to be hard for unless it's your full emphasis. So say you're like an athlete or a bodybuilder, physique competitor of some sort to really dial this in to this uh, exact amount of extent. But you're eating less calories than you burn. And so maybe working in some cardio to up that or just getting more activity on a day-to-day -day basis, eating less, obviously controlling your diet. But when you're in this period of cutting or fat loss, you're emphasizing fat loss and so you're trying to see your body fat percentage go down and you are going to experience a little bit of muscle loss just like in bulking it's inevitable that you're going to experience some fat gain you're going to experience some muscle loss and cutting but those are the two different cycles that i go through that are common for people that lift weights and have an emphasis on improving their physique and like i said i, tr I try to apply these to everyone because i think it's useful to understand these concepts and understand you know what people are going through and what sort of things you can emphasize if, if your goal is to gain muscle or lose fat and especially just that it's not for bodybuilders specifically or anything like that. So anyway, going back into the things I've learned, the things I wanted to highlight and emphasize. The first thing I wanted to emphasize was just that you don't need to associate effectiveness with difficulty. This is something I struggled with for the longest time. Like I felt like if it didn't suck, if it wasn't hard, then it wasn't effective. And this applied to diet. This applied to training. I felt like if I wasn't completely exerting myself in the gym and really tiring myself out and hammering, you know, the muscles or whatever it is I was doing, hammering the cardio, really completely being out of breath, you know, during doing, doing sprints or doing long runs or whatever it is, I felt like 
it had to be hard and it had to be draining. And that was the, the measure of effectiveness. And so I felt like I had to eat these bland foods that I didn't really enjoy. Whereas contrast that with, with now, like I said, I have this knowledge about what foods I need and which foods are going to help me achieve my goals. And I can really eat things I like, but that I know that are healthy and I'm not afraid to, you know, add some spices, add some sauces, whatever I want to kind of improve the flavor a little bit. Things can taste good and still be healthy to a large extent. I mean, it's, it's, it's not mutually exclusive one or the other. You'll realize that you can have a weekend off of your normal diet or that you can have workouts that, you know, you're not bringing the complete intensity that you're working maybe 50, 60, 70% of your capacity of what you're capable of. And this is fine. Uh, when it comes to stuff like working out, it's about getting it in consistently. You know, not every workout's going to be great. Not every workout you're going to be able to push yourself to the absolute maximum. But just getting in there and being consistent with it is really what's going to ultimately be the deciding factor. So it, it doesn't have to be shitty to be effective. It, it can actually, and it can and it should uh, be good. It should feel good. Your diet should feel good and satisfying. Your workouts should feel satisfying and intrinsically rewarding. Although they might be tough, you know, you get that feeling afterwards of accomplishment. And it's a good feeling. It's something that continually builds off of itself. So consistency, a word I just mentioned, something else I wanted to go over. You always want to prioritize consistency over perfection. I know that I used to consider myself myself a perfectionist. And like I've mentioned before, this is something I feel like is really just an excuse. Perfectionism is an example here. Like for me, I used to have to feel like I had to hit every single body part in exact order in exact number of sets, reps, whatever it was. So Monday I had to hit my chest and triceps and I had to do X, Y, and Z lifts and I had to complete them to the fullest extent where now I realize that I can do, you know, a lot of different sort of workouts. I can do full body workouts. I can do upper body, lower body splits. I can do chest on Wednesday. I can do chest on Monday. Like shit like that really doesn't matter as long as you're getting it in consistently. I know how neurotic some people can get because that's exactly how I was about workouts. But realizing that getting in there consistently and doing something is always better than nothing. Consistency over perfection. Remember that. And it applies to your diet. It applies to your training. Just being consistent and not worrying about getting too into the weeds about stuff. As far as getting into the weeds here, another point that I had was don't miss the forest for the trees. That's a saying that you've heard applied to a lot of different things. But here, really, it's just worry about the macro and not the micro. A conversation I have a lot of times with people is that you don't need to worry about the remaining 5% if you're not focused on the first 95%. The first 95% being getting enough sleep, getting a grasp of calories, uh, understanding that you have to have consistent workouts and that one workout isn't going to make all the difference or, you know, the perfect quote unquote, perfect workout isn't going to make all the difference. Getting in there consistently, like I just mentioned, is going to take you, uh, as, uh, you know, really far. There's a remaining 5% that if you really, really dial in your shit that you can worry about, but that's things like meal timing, different intricacies in the diet, as far as what vegetables are best, what fruits are best, what uh, sort of protein has the most micronutrients, you know, whatever it is, little stuff like that. I have people come to me a lot of the times and they say, what's the best protein I should be taking? You know, what, uh, what should I eat for, 
for this meal after my workout? What's the best thing to eat? And it's like, that's not what you should be worried about. The 95% is sleeping seven to nine hours a night. So important. Managing stress. Another thing that people might not think of as a a part of the, the bulk of your health. Working out at least two to three times a week, if not four to five. Uh, you can you can get effective workouts and effective results from just a couple workouts a week, though. It's important to note eating whole nutrient dense foods and understanding calories is another part. Of, I've often had the conversation where it's it's not it's not when you eat and it's not the type of foods you eat, but it's every day eating a consistent amount and eating consistently natural foods. Like I said, whole nutrient dense eggs, potatoes, um, fats, almonds, oils. Uh, proteins, beef, chicken, fish, eating vegetables that are minimally processed, fruits that are minimally processed. Uh, that's that's what's going to be the 95% and is going to get you almost any results you want as far as your physique, as far as your fitness and health before you touch supplements, before you touch meal timing, before any of that stuff. So that I would consider like the final 5%, which can help if you have all this other stuff dialed in. Uh, that other 5%, like I mentioned, supplements, meal timing, things like, oh, should I go with the the white or the the wheat bread or the, you know, the whole grain uh, pasta or brown rice or whatever it is, like stuff like that. Yeah, it definitely has an impact, but not unless you have all this other stuff dialed in. And if you have trouble with this, trust me, I know that it's tough to understand and come to terms with because I was I was in your shoes. And I understand that it's hard to forget some of these things that we've been, you know, brought up with uh, as a part of our, our culture, uh, as a part of our thinking, as a part of what we think it takes to be fit and healthy, because oftentimes it has to do simply with the fact that we're being sold this stuff because, um, you know, different marketers and different companies or, or whatever it may be are trying to sell you something are trying to lead to a specific outcome you know, that leads to their benefit, but your, your health and your fitness is a personal journey. And you have to realize that the majority, the biggest part of what you need to worry about is simple and it's simple, but this is another thing I've said, I've said before, it's simple, but not easy. So just realizing that forming this base knowledge is going to take you where you need to be and trying not to get caught up in the weeds, not missing the forest for the trees. Like I said, And believe me, as I just mentioned, I spent a lot of years missing the forest for the trees. I spent a lot of years worrying about the micro where like, for example, I used to drink a lot more than I drink now. And I I would drink multiple times a week where it would be, you know, more than a few drinks. And then I was the same person who would freak out if I missed one set of my exercises for the week on uh, my back or on my, my legs or, you know, whatever it was. And I would get really, really frustrated if I missed a meal because I thought that, you know, I believed these things like starvation mode and that your muscle would atrophy if you if you weren't eating consistently, which I realize now is largely a myth. Yes, meal timing can really help, like I said, with that final 5% again, but it's not something that you need to, to be on high alert of or really be concerned about. Uh, honestly, if there was one thing that was probably the most harmful thing for me personally, it was just that that myth of having to eat every three to four hours um, that led me to probably over consuming calories just because if I would eat a big meal and then three hours later eat again, it would be just way too many calories where I, whereas it would, it would serve me better just to not eat and to, to just wait a longer period of time. I've talked about fasting now in the morning. 
Uh, I usually don't eat a meal before I go to bed anymore. I used to be obsessive for a number of years about eating before I went to bed because I thought, like I said, that you had to, you had to be fed. You had to be constantly feeding the muscles. This just isn't true. It goes back to something I heard that really stuck with me um, from one of the guys I, I really like to follow. I remember hearing that essentially the comparison was that muscle is not easily going to go away. It, it, it is, it's sticky. It wants to stick around. When you have this muscle, you work hard to earn it and it wants to stick around. Uh, it wants to stay on your frame. As long as you're not uh, vastly under consuming calories, your body's not going to go ahead and try to use its muscle for fuel most of the time. Usually your body's going to try to use its fat storage for fuel first when you're hungry, when you're not eating. And so just realize that your, your muscle isn't going to go away easily. Don't need to worry about it withering away from shit like your meal timing. And it's just, I, I, I can't emphasize how much I want that to be a point of emphasis that I'm trying to communicate because it seriously was harmful for me for so long um, where I would just do stupid things like just eating at the weirdest times. I remember I used to think that you wouldn't have an effective workout if you weren't fed. So if I had a workout in the morning, like this is more so an example of like high school, but if I had a workout in the morning, I would wake up really early to eat some food like oats and eggs and shit like that and wake up early to let it digest before my workout. And I just look back and I can't believe I did that shit, but it was just because I was so misinformed and I was so missing the forest for the trees. Again, I use that phrase. And as far as eating stuff before bed, I would eat milk, cottage cheese, things with that I knew that had protein. But at the same time, it's, it's funny to look back because it's like I wasn't even tracking my protein at this time. I was just blindly eating a lot of protein. And with things like cutting, like I mentioned, I was just blindly not eating carbs when I was cutting. Whereas now I realize the importance of a calorie surplus and a calorie deficit and things like getting enough protein, which for reference, again, uh, something I mentioned in the past is you want to get about 0.7 to one gram of protein per pound of body weight. So focusing on these principles and hitting these key metrics, calories, protein, and not worrying about what food you're eating when is going to be so powerful, not only in the fact that you're going to get better results, but the fact that you're not going to have to use so much cognitive strain and worry and have it be something that's at the front of mind and something that's going to concern you. One of the, the best parts about changing my view on fitness and really becoming optimally healthy and fit for my lifestyle and realizing what it takes and, and doing this and achieving this through education is it's so much less of a strain on my mind. I'm not only healthier, but I'm also more mentally clear and I'm more focused and I'm happier and I'm less angsty and all these things you don't realize that it really pulls on you. And I hear people say things, you know, that, that I know are wrong. And it's really frustrating because I've done all the dumb shit that you can do. So hopefully my experience can help you to not do uh, a lot of the things that I've done and realize what's, what's really truly important. So anyway, continuing on here, I mentioned calories. Another big lesson, another point I wanted to hammer home was that calories count even if you don't count them. I've mentioned the word calorie surplus and calorie deficit a lot and how that relates to the muscle gain fat loss points. And it's interesting because when I first found out about tracking calories and read Mike Matthews book, Bigger, Leaner, Stronger and found his work, he was a big catalyst for that. And I was really, really strict about counting calories. And like, I would, you know, be so consistent about it. And I would largely eat a lot of different foods because it was, it, it was easy for me to eat these different foods and then factor in the calories and day by day track them. And I still do that sometimes, but what I do a lot more now is just eat a consistent diet and eat consistently the same foods and meals day after day. And so I don't need to track calories as much. 
I do certainly to some extent, and I'm always trying to factor in getting enough protein too, but largely it's not something I have to worry too much about because the nice thing is once you gain this education and experience, you know what works and you know what's going to serve your goals and what you need. So calories count even if you don't count them and you don't have to count them if you're consistently eating these healthy whole foods and things like that, it's going to lead you to better outcomes. But it's also useful, for example, like if I go on a trip or something like that, some circumstance where I'm eating a little bit differently than usual, then it may be useful to kind of track calories more closely to realize where I'm going uh, and not necessarily have it completely hold control over my decision making. Like I said, you can have a bad couple days, a bad couple weekends with diet. And if you're consistent over time, over, over a course of months or even years, it's not going to impact you uh, in any completely negative way. But just having this knowledge gives you the chance to choose and the chance to understand how physiologically uh, these different foods and, and exercises are going to affect you. So as far as training, I haven't talked as much about training, but Two big things I wanted to make sure I mentioned was strive for progress and not variance. I know when I was younger, I was all about the variance in routine, changing things up. I know that I had heard things like you want to shock the muscle, you want to confuse the muscle. And this just is largely a myth. You really don't have to do that. The best thing you can do, especially if you're an intermediate to novice lifter, is focus on a few lifts for a handful of months at a time to get better at. So having some lifts for your back, for your chest, for you know whatever is the, the body parts you emphasize and getting better at those over time, that's going to help you. That's progressive overload. That's the number one thing we want to shoot for in the gym. And if you're doing a bunch of different exercises on a week-to-week and day-to-day basis, it's not that that can't be effective, but it's so much harder to emphasize progressive overload because you can't remember what you're lifting. You're doing these different lifts and it's, it's hard to gauge you know what kind of intensity you're giving to these different lifts, whereas... If you're on one specific lift for a number of weeks and months at a time, you can gauge if you're going up in weight uh, or another sort of metric you want to use for progressive overload. So striving for progress and not variance, specifically striving for, striving for progressive overload. And then the other one that I wanted to make sure I mentioned was just making sure that you're emphasizing compound lifts. Compound lifts are lifts that emphasize multiple muscle groups. So the deadlift is the best example. The deadlift uh, emphasizes muscles from your lower body to your upper body, uh, almost every muscle in the body. Uh, It's not so much for a pushing exercise, so it's not like a lot of shoulders, triceps, chest, and stuff, but it's going to work your back, your legs. Um, Other compound lifts that are really common are any, any sort of bench press, shoulder press, squats, lunges, stuff like that, when you're using multiple muscles at once. So anything that's not like a shoulder lateral raise or a bicep curl. Those are isolation exercises that are, that are hitting one body part, which they have their place, but you want to make sure that if I had to put a number on it, something like 75% of the lifts that you're doing are compound exercises, are working multiple muscle groups at once, because this is how you're really going to emphasize those strength and muscle gains a lot more quickly than doing these isolation exercises, where in the past, as, as I sort of mentioned, I put way too much emphasis on these isolation exercises, hammering single biceps exercises, Oh, and stuff like that, uh, where, again, I was missing the forest for the trees. I wasn't getting the volume in where it was important. And then the last thing here I want to mention is just like I mentioned, you really don't need supplements. They can be helpful, especially if it's like a protein supplement that's going to help you reach your daily protein intake goals or creatine. Things like creatine are naturally found in foods, as are a few other supplements. But you really don't need things like a fat burner, a testosterone booster, Usually that sort of stuff is not going to be effective. BCAA is something I don't really like. 
Um, again, I literally consider supplements in the last 5% of what you need to worry about with the exception of protein powder. I more so consider that part of like my diet, part of my food choices, but, but don't be sold on these marketing ploys that are so common in the supplement industry. You don't need that sort of stuff. And oftentimes it's just a waste of money, especially, especially if you're not hitting that 95%, like I talked to that sleep, that reduction of stress, that consistent workouts, consistent diet, things like that. So, like I said, kind of all over the map here, wanted to wrap it up by having four main takeaways. And so those four main takeaways are, first of all, what I consider to possibly be the most important based on where you're at in your journey. This was definitely the biggest shift for me is just mindset knowing it doesn't have to suck. It doesn't have to be shitty. You don't have to kill yourself in the gym. You don't have to hate what you eat. You don't have to eat bland foods. You can eat foods that you enjoy that you know are going to help you effectively work out and effectively think and impact your mood. I wish I realized sooner how, how much diet and exercise extends just past your body composition and past your physical abilities into your mood and, and, and your mind and your mental clarity and focus. But the mindset, it doesn't have to suck. Uh, something that Tim Ferriss talks about a lot is the minimum effective dose. What can you do to elicit change in the least amount of work? Uh, a lot of times, you, I mean, like I said before, if you do two or three workouts a week and you're eating consistently good diet, you can get a great physique. You can have incredible health, health outcomes. It doesn't have to be six days a week in the gym. It can be if you're like me and you enjoy being in the gym and you enjoy striving for progress, but it doesn't have to be. A lot of times it takes so much less than you think, but you have to be consistent and then the other part of the mindset here is I put you, you want to be honest with yourself. Are you eating too many calories? Are you, are you skipping too many workouts? Are you not being honest about pushing yourself in the gym? Uh, it's all on an individual basis, but make sure that you're being honest with yourself. You're being honest with yourself in the times that you're doing well and you're being proud of yourself. There's nothing wrong with being proud of yourself. I think that's something that needs to be emphasized more, but also you want to be honest when you're having a bad week or a bad stretch of weeks and why that is, why you're not performing well in the gym, why you're skipping workouts, why you're not eating uh, the, the, the diet that you know you need to be eating. And realizing that this is okay, you're going to go through periods where your fitness can't be your first priority when you have family issues or work issues or things of that nature. But always being honest with yourself and being consistent over time, again, like I mentioned, that consistency is, is the biggest key. Consistency, consistency, excuse me, was my second point here. Consistency above all. Uh, I think I've already went into that enough, but I wanted to make sure it was in this conclusion because it's such a huge point of emphasis. And then the last two things I wanted to mention here, diet, don't worry about things like, is a food going to be a clean food? Just think about the, the majority being nutrient dense, whole foods. Like I mentioned, uh, think about the 80, 20 principle where 80% of the time you're eating these whole nutrient dense foods. And then 20% of the time feeling okay, working in foods that don't necessarily align with your goals. Maybe you like desserts. Maybe you like uh, a burger or pizza and stuff like that. 20% of the time, totally okay. I like the 80-20 principle here as far as diet. Again, not worrying about things like meal timing or what's the best, you know, X food I can eat. What's the best meat I can eat? I don't know. Just eat meat. Just eat some beef, eat some chicken, some fish. What's the best vegetable I can eat? Well, if it's a vegetable, that's going to be a lot better choice than most of the other things that you're typically consuming or people are typically consuming. Um, so don't be, not, not worrying about the micro stuff like that. Is it a white? Is it a wheat? not worrying so much about stuff like that. It's about calories overall, eating for your goal, whether that be maintenance, fat loss, muscle gain, and eating, like I said, again, I want to emphasize this whole nutrient dense foods. And then training is the last one here. The two points that I mentioned, 
compound lifts, lifts that involve muscle, muscle groups, multiple muscle groups at once, and striving for progress and not variance. Looking for that progressive overload. Another word I'll use because that's really important as well. If you're not improving, if you're not emphasizing progressive overload in some sort of way, this can be a big reason why you're not seeing results you are looking for. So I hope this was helpful. I wanted to just point out again, how simple, but not easy it can be to get in really great shape and love the way you look and feel comfortable and happy with your physique. It's more mental than physical. A lot of the time you have to overcome some of these biases we have. Um, but you can, you can still live your life. You can have a comfortable, healthy lifestyle and eat shitty food. Sometimes, you know, eat out, drink alcohol, eat that ice cream, dessert, whatever it is. Uh, thinking about that 80, 20 principle. Sometimes you're not going to have great workouts, but if you're consistently getting in there and knowing why you're doing what you're doing, having that knowledge, then you're going to really, you're going to really like the outcomes and you're going to be able to be proud of yourself. That's the best part for me is I'm proud of the way I look and I'm proud of the results I've made and that I've been able to achieve and attain. So that's all I wanted to say today. I hope that this was helpful. If you have any questions, please feel free to reach out and I will see you here for the next episode. Hey, it's Jake again. If this podcast provided you any value, I'd encourage you to share it with someone who you think might enjoy it. In addition, it'd really help me out a lot if you would go and subscribe or leave a review for my podcast. It's super easy. And in addition, if you have any questions or comments, I'd love for you to reach out to me by email or Instagram DM, which can both be found on my website. Thanks.